friends, and welcome back to Ghoul's Night In, the spooky chat show with your best ghoul friends. I'm Penny Snark. And I'm Midge Munster. And as we move into the late autumn, the early winter time, um, there is a movie that I just really love for this time of year, uh, which falls into one of our other favorite categories, which are movies that we think did not get like their rightful appreciation when they first came out. Oh. Um, so today we are going to talk about a little film called Crimson Peak. Yes, girl. <laughs> I wish I could scream into a microphone. Oh, this is Man. one of my favorite films of ever times. Uh, yes, same. Uh, so we are we are going to talk about it today. We are going to get into the crimsonness um of all of and it the peakness and the peakness um i will say there may be some spoilers in this conversation um but this is definitely not like a movie that's ruined by knowing what happens in it um if you somehow have not watched it yet it is on netflix at the time of this recording um and you should definitely go watch it especially if our conversation today intrigues you at all yeah oh man i I promise y'all this is not a 13 ghost situation please (laughs) please go watch crimson peak if you haven't seen it Crimson peak oh man all right midge when when did you first see crimson peak oh gosh um i don't know i mean it must have been around when it came out it's been a did you see it in theaters no i think i saw it on a dvd <laughs> uh i don't even know what year did this come out i uh, want to say i came out in college 2015 okay yep so it would have been college um maybe i did i don't remember <laughs> yeah um i did go see this in theaters um i was a big guillermo del toro fan um Rightfully was so. i still am yeah. i at the time i was and that is why i went to go see it in theaters um the so i went to go see it alone at a matinee showing um the Amazing. only other people in the theater were a dad and like four tween girls um, who I do not think knew anything about this movie. And they talked a lot. Um, this was actually, <laughs> this is the only time I've ever like gotten up and moved during a movie to get oh away gosh. from people. Um, but despite the distractions, um, this movie still pulled me all the way in. I was immediately obsessed with it. Um, this was definitely my first time seeing anything that was remotely scary in theaters. And I will say mm. like, this isn't like a horror, horror, horror movie, but like there are some no. spooky parts. There are some creepy ghosts. I was definitely spooked <laughs> watching this, but I still loved it. Yeah, it definitely um, has horror elements, much like most of his work. Mm-hmm. But it's it's definitely tolerable if you're a scaredy cat. I think. Yes. Uh, so let's. So as as we just said, uh, Crimson Peak was released in October of 2015, um, but it actually had a long life before that. Um, so Guillermo del Toro and the director and writer, um, along with Matthew Robbins, wrote the spec script all the way back in 2006, right after Pan's Labyrinth came out. Mm. Um, I'm also having an epiphany, which I won't yeah. spoil, but I'm suddenly Ooh. realizing, of course, you love this movie. <laughs> Yeah, it just is like deeply it my just shit. Hit me. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
So it did like sell like right after they wrote it. Um, but as any Del Toro fan knows, this is a busy man. He is always doing something. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like his projects just tend to simmer for a long time. <laughs> like you'll hear about it and then you're like, is it happening? Is it not happening? Sometimes it's not happening, but sometimes he does come back. <laughs> me, me right now with Frankenstein. <laughs> right. I know. And it does seem like it's actually happening now. So I know. fingers so crossed. Uh, so yeah, Guillermo was like, I'm going to make Hellboy 2 and I'm going to make some Hobbit movies. And then it was like, well, maybe he was just going to produce Crimson Peak and he would get someone else to direct it. But then he didn't really like like anybody for it. Um, And eventually um, he made Pacific Rim with Legendary Pictures and they were like, hey, we would love to make another movie with you. Like, what what have you got? kind of like on the shelf and uh because (laughs) Guillermo del Toro is wild as hell which I appreciate um he was like well I have an adaptation of an H.P. Lovecraft story I have a western version of the Count of Monte Cristo or I have Crimson Peak (laughs) um and I want to see all of those movies honestly my captain yeah (laughs) uh but they were like sweet Crimson Peak sounds good let's do it um and so in interviews about this movie um del toro has really talked about how in kind of this like oddies 2010s period um horror had kind of been stuck in this like gritty found footage sort of place and he really wanted to bring it back to something like grandiose and a lot more like the um large-scale like horror movies of the past like universal horror things like that um as I said before, this is a movie that, um, oh, actually I didn't say this before. I put that in my notes and then I moved it. So for the first Uh time, um, you're hearing that this is a movie that got like kind of a mixed to positive reception from critics. Um, it really didn't perform at the box office and I feel, okay, this is going to sound incredibly (laughs) condescending and obnoxious. Snarky Um, one might say snarky um i feel like a lot of people who don't like crimson peak don't really understand it (laughs) i yeah i could see that i just and and to be fair like that is not entirely on them um it is just it's very unique in its genre i feel like in that it is very much a gothic romance and mm -hmm. like in the tradition of gothic fiction more than it is in like a tradition of like what you might expect from a horror movie well, and I, this is something I think is unique to Guillermo del Toro also that like, he doesn't always give you what you want. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people maybe didn't like the ending of this film. Yeah. And I love it for that reason. I love that it subverts expectation and that he, he kind of leaves the viewer like, ugh, you know? <laughs> Yeah, and I, and I mean, I and I feel like that is also like it's a very it's like it's gothic romance does not mean it's like it's romantic. It's not, but that doesn't mean endings. it's a love story with a happy ending. Like exactly. it's that's just not what the genre is going to be about. And I think exactly. that it really it nails like it's kind of gothic roots so well that I think mm-hmm. it it did kind of like surprise a lot of modern audiences who maybe aren't like expecting that. From this I agree, movie. I agree, but and. and... I, I, yeah, I think that's this movie's strong suit, but I see mm-hmm. where it might have turned a lot of people off. Yes. And totally fair if you, like, just don't like it. Um, but I, I feel like if you, you would, rec- you can recognize that it's successfully completing the tropes that it's setting out to portray. Yeah. 
because it's just it's a great it's a great movie so shut up so <laughs> so, so shut up Thank so you. shut up this has um, been ghouls night in no. <laughs> yes the end there's the end of the episode crimson peak is the best and you're wrong goodbye <laughs> um all right we have to talk about how absolutely beautiful this movie is um <sighs> So the production design uh, was done by Thomas Sanders, who actually was nominated for an Oscar for his art direction on Francis Ford Coppola's Dracula. So mm-hmm. very much on there. Um, Allerdale Hall is so much a character in the film. In a lot of ways, it's really like the starring character. Um, mm-hmm. Everything comes back to the house. Um, I read which is some, just my favorite yeah. genre yes. of film. Big uh, spooky house and like house as a character is my favorite genre of film and television. Best. And this is it done at its like max capacity so mm-hmm. well. It is so true. Um, so I read um, some interviews in Slate and Architectural Digest about designing the house uh, because much like our beautiful practical magic house, this is not a real place. Um, sadly, I cannot go and live and rot here. Um, but um, just let me rot. Just let me rot. Just let me rot like Allerdale Hall. (laughs) Um, obviously everything is very lush and beautiful. There's like this Edwardian Gothic vibe all over the place. Um, one of the things that I thought was really interesting, um, that Sanders mentioned in these interviews is how they played with scale in the house, Mm -hmm. and obviously, like, there's that viscerally overwhelming sensation of like the grand entryway like the hall where the house just kind of like surges up swallows you yes i literally have (laughs) swallowing you written here (laughs) um but he also he talked about how they actually like use different size furniture um that they swapped in as the movie progressed as edith is kind of like diminishing and weakening um and also that the master bedroom has all oversized furniture that like just does not really fit like the ceiling seems really low and he his quote was it's beautiful but not quite right which mm. like relatable same, yeah. same. yes <laughs> yes tom sanders you know what it's about you get it the girls who girl <laughs> the girls who girl but it really is and it's um the movie was mostly shot um in canada in toronto and um there are like a lot of the places from like edith's before life in america are like part of like a university in toronto and things like that so (laughs) that's interesting yeah so you get some of that historical like architecture there um but allerdale hall is created created from the gothic imagination um and i mean just just that that red clay that bleeding snow there's nothing like it Yeah, I'm glad you picked this for this time of year. I feel like it's a good winter horror. Yes, like I feel like it's such like a November, December movie because it is like, you know, they get there when it's like kind of fall and then it's like, ooh, it's snowing. Oh, no, we're trapped here in the snow, which if you live in the Midwest or anywhere else that it snows a lot, (laughs) you know the feeling of going Mm -hmm. insane in your house because it's snowing and i don't even have terrible clay swallowing me from below so there you <laughs> not go yet. not yet <laughs> one can always hope uh, <laughs> uh do you have anything else to say about the house before we move on to costumes 
oh no i guess not i don't i could just like i could just rant about nothing but it's, i know it's... right that it was a real it was a real struggle for me this episode to be like okay you need to actually like research say things and yeah say things and bring facts you can't just sit there and be like this movie's so good i love it so much i watched it last night after prepping all of my notes and just oh. like let it wash over me and it was so good I do love um, to just kind of the like, as far as talking about the house as a character, <laughs> I'm going to draw a weird parallel here, but like mm. to Monster House. Um, oh, all right. The, but like you, the, I feel like they do such a good job building suspense with the, the way that everything is kind of like falling at all times. Mm -hmm. Like the, yeah. the whole right in the entryway that almost literally like the house has a mouth that is like <laughs> swallowing into itself and the like just constant kind of like ash and stuff that's falling from the ceiling like, it's mm -hmm. so majestic and yet it's rot like yes. it, it's done so well that you don't even like really think about the fact that it's horrifying right. and that this like giant mansion could collapse at any second um it's oh my god the set design every all the design Talk about costumes, Penny. I yes. want to hear about it. Yes. Um, so the costumes were done by Kate Hawley, who actually, interestingly, and I feel like this makes sense when you look at it, um, spent most of her career doing costumes and production design for theater. Yeah, so like absolutely. opera, ballet, I, yep. and it's just this, it's so theatrical. I mean, the Edwardian style is in full effect. The biggest sleeves you've ever seen in your goddamn ever life. Seen. Yeah. <laughs> um, just like so much beautiful embellishment. I mean, anyone who follows me outside of the podcast knows I'm a huge historic fashion girl. And uh, I know this movie is just drool worthy. Like when people talk about dream projects, it would definitely for me be recreating some of these costumes. Yeah, it's that, it's just, that gold uh, dress of Edith's for me I, uh, that she, in her bedroom. Mm, so oh, good. So good. Uh, I am super obsessed. Um, there's a um, cosplayer called Lunar Rose Costuming, and she's mm -hmm. made um, like the deep red dress that Lucille wears at the party that has like uh, the braided spine going down the back. Yes. And I'm just, uh, I love that so much. Or even like, I really love like Lucille's like little goth outfit she wears in the park where like Edith is oh, like, I'm a beautiful summer butterfly. And she's like, hmm, that's nice. She's like, it's old <laughs> <I'm>, vampire now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's uh, just so cool. Yeah. I, well, and we have to, I feel like we have to shout out the fact that as we speak, La Femme en Noir is yes. making a Crimson Peak line. Oh. Um, so Penny and I's, one of our favorite clothing brands, if you've seen us wear any of our Sleepy Hollow gear or mm -hmm. anything like that, it's all from Micheline Pitt's company, La Femme en Noir. And uh, they are currently producing a licensed crimson peak line and i will be giving them all my money yes i cannot wait to see what's going to be in there because they're so such a rich vein um to pull from for this mm. and of course one of the true hallmarks of gothic fiction is running around your creepy old house in a Get ginormous a nightgown. nightgown. Give me and, that nightgown. Uh, Crimson Peak <laughs> has such great nightgowns. Nightgowns for everybody. We got murder in nightgowns. <laughs> nightgowns for every occasion. <laughs> yes, all so good. Uh, and it's just so good. You got your big candelabra in your nightgown with like 100 million frills that you're like, how do you not light yourself on fire walking around with this candelabra in the darkness? Yeah, and all that hair yes all oh, the hair 
hair flying everywhere. It's so good. It's so good. All right. So I learned that this movie actually had a different cast to begin with, which I feel like I probably knew at the time because I was pretty invested, but I had forgotten this. Um, But the original casting for Thomas and Edith was Benedict Cumberbatch and Emma Stone. I feel like that's just, okay, so if, I don't think we've mentioned this yet. If you don't know, the actual cast is Tom Hiddleston and... um... Oh my gosh, what's her name? What's Edith's Mia, name? I, uh, Wasikawa? I'm sorry, literally, Mia. <laughs> literally, my brain was like Amanda Seyfried, and I was like, that is not her. <laughs> um, but I feel like Benedict Cumberbatch is just like, that's a lateral move to Tom Hiddleston. <laughs> so I'm that's like, the same person. <laughs> um, man, see, I so disagree. Because like, okay. I feel like it's always hard to imagine like different actors in a film you like. But like, uh-huh. just imagining this version of Crimson Peak is just, it has me shook. Because uh, like, was I there think... another, was there an alternative for Lucy as well? I don't believe so. Okay. At le- I mean, there may have been like others considered, but apparently like Benedict and Emma Stone were like signed on. And oh, dropped wow. out of the film. Now, Emma Stone, I cannot imagine. I don't like I that. Like, I'm just like, I, I enjoy all of the actors involved, but it would just be such a different movie. Like, I feel like Tom Hiddleston brings, like, such a warmth and earnestness. It's hard for me to believe, like, b- not believe. It's hard for me to imagine having, like, the same kind of, like, torn sympathy about his character if he didn't have kind of that, like oh but maybe i'm good underneath kind of vibe <laughs> like see I, I feel like I, personally i feel like benedict is capable of that i'm right. a benedict cumberbatch girly as well and i love tom hiddleston i think he's perfect in this role but yeah um, i do like benedict cumberbatch i just i like I, I feel like i picture him as like a much more reserved version of thomas sure and now i, I can say I, I cannot imagine anyone except jessica chastain yes oh my god the role of lady lucille like she is she is it she is the moment she is the (laughs) like it's it's flawless yes um and uh like i do love emma stone but like i feel like she would feel like such more of like a traditional like girl power like sassy female protagonist where like yeah there are parts of edith's character that have that but like because she's played in just this very delicate way she's so soft yeah it like surprises you to like see how like tough she can be underneath it well and i love i mean i don't particularly know her from other roles i'm sure she's i mean except like alice in wonderland but like i know she's probably done a lot of stuff but she's not emma stone you know like i feel like it it um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like it betters the film for her being not like an A-list, like huge star mm-hmm. because you believe it more. Yeah. And it's weird because like even, I mean, obviously Tom Hiddleston and Jessica Chastain are both very famous actors, but like I don't watch that movie and feel like I'm watching Tom Hiddleston. Yes, for sure. I don't know. Like he, they, that, the cast is so freaking good yes okay. <laughs> the acting is so nuanced i i love that you have led me into this so well um because when i started when i was prepping for this episode i was making a list of things about the movie that i love um they are all in all caps just so you can picture it <laughs> can um, you yell them all please it said big sleeves which big we sleeves. have discussed mm-hmm. Amen. gothic aesthetic mm-hmm. 
house with three exclamation <laughs> points. And then the thing that we are going to talk about now, intense, toxic, sapphic energy. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. So you, you really cannot, you cannot talk at all about this movie without talking about Jessica Chastain's amazing performance as Lucille. And I feel like she is like truly one of the most like classic, like old Hollywood horror, gothic horror features of the film, which is just like, this too intense woman <laughs> yeah it's who... giving dracula's daughter in a big way yes or like rebecca like rebecca this, yes this like incredibly homoerotic obsession between women mm -hmm. and like there's a man who's related to it but like when you watch it you're <laughs> like this 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 man is here but the the tension the tension is between the two of you yeah and just uh and obviously also we know from the internet that queer women love moths and butterflies so having <laughs> this like narrative of like the delicate butterfly and this tough killer moth is just like Mwah, it's beautiful it's perfection absolutely yeah i um I, I like i said i just can't imagine anyone else portraying this role in such a because you still like her at the end, which is what's yes. wild, because oh there's God. zero reason for you to like this character. <laughs> like, but you feel sad for her. You mm -hmm. feel compassion for her. You feel anger. I mean, it, she plays it so nuanced. It, it's one of my favorite like roles in all of film, I think. It, it's so mm -hmm. excellent. And like you said, they do such a good job of paying homage to that classic horror archetype without smacking you in the face with it. Yes. Yeah, she's just kind of, she's there, she's doing her thing. I love, I mean, I think obviously unsurprising to anyone who listens to this show, I just, I love like a, a feral female character mm -hmm. and just like this character who's like incredibly buttoned up and you get just like glimpses of kind of violence throughout until, of course, spoiler alert, the end when it is all fully revealed and we've got hair flying nightgown everywhere and just sledgehammers like, just yes just <laughs> absolute feral all, energy all in and it's yeah. so good oh my and god and to have been like written and directed by a man i think yeah. like guillermo del toro gave the space for these female characters to fully be like fleshed out people and really have so much dimension even edith like even though she's so soft she has so much depth um it's just and again, like, I mean, really, like you said, and I love that Tom Hiddleston knew that playing the role. It's like, and also I'm just here. <laughs> right. It's like, I, I was kind of like, I was an instigating factor here, but the real, the real story is going on next to me. Yes. Yes. Uh, and also, I mean, you have your, your adorable golden retriever, Dr. Man, who's like, <laughs> let me help. Oh no, I've been stabbed. <laughs> Can I tell you so truthfully that I have probably seen this film 30 times and every single time i forget about him <laughs> yes <laughs> well he pops up on screen and i'm like oh that's right oh, he's, uh, you he's a here. part of this <laughs> i forgot yeah uh it's, it's just uh it's so good i just love it so much it's such a good movie and like the music is also incredible yes, just yes. so beautiful and like it's 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 a movie where like I love the dialogue, but also you could watch it on silent and just and, and soak I have. it in. 
I've, I've put that shit on in the background while I work on mute and just like, mm. ah. So good. I would, you know what I would, somewhere, hopefully somewhere has done this. If they haven't, it's a travesty. I would love to go to one of those, like a live symphony playing along to a movie for Crimson Peak. Oh my Peak. gosh, yeah. That would be so good. Yeah, I so don't good. know if that ever ha- And I feel like it's, you know, it's such a weird thing because I feel like amongst our community, it really has a following. But I feel like mm-hmm. those films I never hear get brought up in like normal conversations yes. about <laughs> good spooky films or good horror films. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I feel like I see a lot of s- certain like there's like four, three or four films I see symphonies do all the time around Halloween. And I've never... I mean, I worked for a symphony. I feel like I know mm-hmm. I know what's in rotation. Yes. I've never <laughs> seen this as an option, and it definitely should be. That would rock. Yes. This oh, is man. any of this formal petition. <laughs> <laughs> yes, formal petition. Please do this for us. We need this. It's just you and I sitting in a massive symphony hall. <laughs> no one else came. Yes, wearing incredible gowns. We've both made full-scale replicas of gowns from the film. (laughs) We have a man sitting six row behind us in dark sunglasses. Yes, (laughs) that is the life, man. (laughs) That is the life. Uh, well, this this pod, this episode was my love letter uh, to Crimson Peak. I knew that you would also be excited to talk about it. Yeah. Uh, since we we have been getting hype um, for that fashion collection coming, uh, we, this like the little teasers we've seen has already been so stunning and intriguing. Uh, so I also I just, just love this movie, I, man. I do. I just ordered the um. Is it was it petals and poison? Oh yes, the, yeah. they did the the replica of the Allerdale Hall ring, um, yes. and I I did certainly join the Kickstarter for that and order it, and I'm so excited. <laughs> I, I am just such not a ring girl. I'm not I either, it. but I, I will wear. I was that. like, I want this, but I'm like, I'm never gonna wear this. I don't. I can't have things on my hands. <laughs> yeah, I had to train myself for years to wear my wedding ring, and I'm like it may have to take a back seat i have one finger for a <laughs> ring and this might be the one no <laughs> one. i also real quick before we go because yeah. i'm kind of i i didn't want to jump ahead of you but i'm kind of shocked we didn't talk about Ooh. ghost design because oh the ghost design oh my gosh uh, this film has some of the best most unique depiction of ghosts yes. i've ever seen so cool i freaking uh so I guess I don't think we covered just very basic premise of this film with no. Oh no! I just I just I just steamrolled. No, you're great. Right no, you you did wonderful. Um, but just very basic baseline in case you have no concept of this at all. Um, Edith is American, and then Tom Hiddleston and Jessica Chastain's characters are brother and sister from England. They come to America looking to fund a project for like a machine that's supposed to dig up clay out of the earth um for and edith's father is who they're looking to you know do that um so the whole story is about their house basically is the one that's falling into the earth because of this red clay that is like coming up through the the ground and they need to be able to get it out from under the house to keep the house from sinking into the abyss so uh the ghosts in the film which I won't talk about why there are ghosts. We'll leave that for you to enjoy and watch. It's a spooky movie. There's going to be ghosts. There's ghosts. ghosts. Um, But the ghosts are like 
made of the clay question mark like there there are these like gloopy red skeletal beings right veiled and like wispies around them yeah and they like move in upsetting ways like it's it's almost there's i think a lot of to me anyway a lot of japanese influence in the Mm. ghost design of this film like japanese horror because they they move in a much more upsetting like cool way than than an american style or european style horror ghost um i just think it's one of the most interesting concepts i've ever seen as far as like the the quote monster goes yes yeah it is very cool and um notably as you said the the ghosts at allerdale hall where the clay is are red but we also see ghosts that are all black earlier in the movie yes that kind of adds adds to like the vibe of like you know your your ghost kind of draws from something Mm -hmm. around you also i feel like this is a movie speaking of ghosts this is one of the movies that i feel like has the most efficient like ghost moving through things yeah scares where like i feel like you don't get that a lot and like i almost i lost my beans when i was in the theater and that ghost came through the door her mom's ghost came through the door and i was like oh shit oh no i thought we were safe behind this door classic horror just shut the door the ghosts won't come through yeah well they're always like blipping around or like maybe they'll like appear next to you after you close the door but i feel like it's kind of rare these days that you actually watch a ghost go through like a door even though that's kind of kind of their vibe right no it is it's very well executed and the it gives the the suspense of it is really good Mm-hmm. Also, you reminded me one more thing that I wanted to say. <laughs> I just, I really love how smart Edith is allowed to be. Yeah. Like, I feel like a lot, and because a lot of stories of this time, like that are actually of this genre that are from like kind of the original time, it's like, oh no, I'm just a lady. Like, <laughs> what am I going to do? And I feel like this take does a good job of kind of like putting her in those circumstances, but like, she's so smart and she's so tough. And like, even the tiniest thing that um i mean this is not even really a spoiler but that like in the very first scene it's the ghost is like beware of crimson Mm -hmm. peak the fact that she doesn't know that it's called crimson peak until she's already there just gives me so much because you know in a normal movie they would be like oh well one time a ghost told me not to go to crimson peak but i'm sure this guy who's asking me to go to crimson peak is probably fine like right sure and i was just like yes thank you movie thank you for for giving us that much and like letting letting our protagonist be like a sensible gal i see so much i mean again coming back to the the gothic romance aspect i see so much mary shelley influence in her character which is really cool Mm -hmm. and exciting because uh they obviously took a lot from the real people that inspired yeah. this genre and, and put it into the film, which I think is, you know, the best way to do it. <laughs> yeah. And like, I, I am someone who, who loves Jane Eyre, but like, this is kind of like, what if Jane Eyre was like, oh, there's some whack shit going on. I'm not going to take yeah, what, it. What if I <laughs> so... get myself the F out of here? Yes. Right. What if I did not, what if I, what if I did put not up put up with that bullshit? bullshit? <laughs> Period. <laughs> Hell yeah. All right. Do you have, do you have any other one last things for Crimson Peak or should we 
release release we'll, the we'll let you uh go watch it yourselves instead of listening to us play by play it now but uh <laughs> <laughs> i feel like i want i just watched it last night and now i'm like i should watch this again. oh I, yeah i watched it three weeks ago and i'm like well fine i'll watch crimson peak <laughs> fine i'll rewatch insist. it dang <laughs> Uh, well, thank you guys for joining us to chit chat about one of our favorite movies. Um, if you love Crimson Peak, shout it out. Um, if you have never seen it and you watch it for the first time, let us know what you think. Um, but not if you didn't like it, because we're <laughs> going to tell you that up. you're wrong. Yeah. So <laughs> uh, if you would like to leave a review to let other people know that you love our podcast, perhaps as much as we love Crimson Peak, um, you can either do that on iTunes. You can send us a message on Instagram, leave a comment on Spotify. And I believe Mitch has a message to share today. I do, and it's kind of perfect for this. Uh, so this is from Sophie and she actually messaged me on Instagram. So I, I'm, I'm going to go a little off base here, but I had to share mm. this. So Sophie said, I just needed to rant a little bit about you and Penny's podcast. I absolutely love it so much. My top three favorite episodes are the Nightshade one, I love Nightmare Before Christmas, the Frog Coffin one, absolutely blown away by that, and also the Ship one. Really interesting. Hey. But this is where I said this is perfect for this episode. She also said, also, you were the reason that I watched Beetlejuice for the first time, so thanks for that. Loved the movie. Yes. <laughs> Oh man, making a difference in the that world. That made my heart so happy. And now I hope that we'll get some future messages from people who say they watched Crimson Peak for the first time because of us. And we will get to uh, further build the, the cult of Crimson. <laughs> yes. Join us. Join Come us. to Crimson Peak. Actually, Join beware us. of Crimson Peak. <laughs> mm -hmm. Oh, I heard there are dangerous lesbians there. Um, Just how I like it. Our <laughs> all right uh if you would like to follow along with the podcast you can find us on instagram at ghouls night in pod and if you are looking for me you can find me on the internet i lost what i was gonna say there oh boy it's a good time uh you can find me at penny snark you can find me across the web at midge monster and until next time Goodbye. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.